0: G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance oriented hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots. So get your application pack by emailing me at info at And remember, be bold, be brave and go give life a crack. And, and that's another interesting thing, right? It, it,
1: if you look at, and uh, I think endowments uh, on average allocate 52% of their funds to alternatives, pensions allocate Uh, I think 28% of their funds to alternatives. The average individual has less than 5% in alternatives, probably closer to 1%.
0: Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Eric Satz, founder and CEO of Alto IRA. Eric is a serial entrepreneur who has seen both his fair share of wins and losses over his career. He knows investing is no longer just for the wealthy and he's living out his mission of delivering 21st century investment opportunities to everyone, including non-accredited investors. Eric is a former investment banker and an early stage investor with a passion for nurturing startups and raising capital. Through Alto IRA, Eric is making alternative asset investing available to all by giving people the right support they need to choose and make their own investment decisions using their IRA savings. I'm really pumped and excited to have on the show today, to share his incredible insight and knowledge about the IRA industry. But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Eric. Welcome to the show. How you today, mate? Reed. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here, mate. My, my pleasure. Um, a little bit off in the green room, we're talking about what you do. But um, let's uh, let's rewind the clock and uh, tell your the listeners how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Well, uh, you
1: know, so I grew up in Miami, Florida, and um, my 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 first business was really. Quite simple. Uh, I sold frozen lemonade out of an unair-conditioned van, and I I would drive around Miami. And this was like the the most stupid, simple, straightforward business model. Right? The more you sold, the more you made. And um, you know, I I I liked maximizing uh, my earnings, and so I would constantly play with the route that I would drive in order to uh do just that. And so I'd go to construction sites and I'd go to uh warehouse uh areas where where you couldn't find food anywhere and, and I would just sell the hell out of frozen lemonade as best I could. And
0: being in a hot truck, did it just just, just turn into lemonade by the end of it? <laughs> so so by by the end of the day it got a lot easier to scoop for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but, it, but I think I may have been more of a mush by the end of the day in that van than, uh, than the frozen lemonade.
0: Yeah. Got it. Got it, mate. Well, well, will now, now connect the dots. What, what got you into entrepreneurship? what did you study at university and how did you take this, embark on this ambition to go down this path of becoming an entrepreneur?
1: You know, so it, it's interesting that you asked that question because I really like that model of the, the harder you work the more you make. And so Mm -hmm. when I went to college and I went to school in the Northeast at a small school called Amherst college. And um, I acquired the distribution rights to the Boston globe and the New York times on campus. Hmm. And so I sold those newspapers to, uh, to my classmates. And um, from there uh, I actually went to wall street. Right, so I went to investment banking. I became an investment banker with uh, a firm called DLJ, uh, which was short for Donaldson, Lufkin and Jenrette, still the greatest investment banking firm ever. And um, you know, I actually left DLJ to to start a coffee bar in New York mm-hmm. City, and you know, that was that was actually the first time that I that I just flat out failed. Right. And, and, and I still remember sort of writing the letter cause we didn't have email yet. Right. So writing the letter to my investors to say, you know, thank you for believing in me. Uh, you're not getting any money back. Right. Wow. And, and that's, that, that is the worst feeling. Um, but, wait, but
0: but but wind up. why? Why you want to leave DLJ and start a coffee business? What What was that mindset? Yeah. So 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 uh,
1: great question. Uh, you're you're not the you're uh, you can get in line behind my family and asking me that in, in asking me that question. But it it really wasn't a choice, right? It, it was just um, I had to do it. And and the way it actually unfolded was that these guys had moved to New York City from Seattle where obviously uh, Starbucks had, had begun to blow up and in a, in a good way. And, and by the way, DLJ took Starbucks public. And um, so I had exposure to the coffee business from a, fr- from a finance perspective. But on top of that, the, the, these guys had moved from Seattle to New York City and they opened this little coffee bar right downstairs from, from our office. And I would run downstairs, uh, probably two or three times a day to get some, you know, high class coffee, uh, as it were. And I started talking to these guys. And before you knew it, I had the bug and I flew out to Seattle. And what what a lot of people don't know is that when Starbucks became Starbucks, when Howard Schultz bought Starbucks, uh, he bought it from the guys who, who actually then would start peach coffee uh, mm. a- after that but but when he bought it they split the company into two into a to a wholesale company called Caravali Coffee and then into the retail business which was Starbucks and they had a non compete for for some period of time so in any event i made my way out to seattle i met these caravali guys and and they took me out for this big steak dinner and fed me lots of red wine and said hey you should sell caravali coffee in new york and you know you should start a company and and you should be the retail guy and the fact of the matter was you know all i needed was a tiny push over the edge and, <laughs> and they sort of pushed me with that red wine and uh you know and red wine and coffee go together right so yep. um so i went exactly. back to new york i quit dlj and i opened a coffee bar
0: that's awesome that's just, clearly there was something you didn't want to work for the man there was something in you to just Push the envelope and screw it. I'm not going to work for this Wall Street company and go out and give give life a go. You know, I think because you know the, the risk, the, the uncertainty of doing something like that. It takes a lot of balls. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, or naivete. Um,
0: right, right. Yeah,
1: you, you know, I, either way. But yes, I you you know I agree with you. You do your own thing, so uh, you get it entirely. Um, you know, it, it, and, and there's nothing wrong with uh, being an investment banker or, or being in finance. It's just not what I uh, was drawn to, right? right. You, you know, it, it was just this, I had to go do this other thing. And then, you know, the truth is that when I failed, uh, I ran back to Wall Street for cover mm. and, and to bail myself out of these debts that, that I had accrued. And, um, uh, you know, that's, that's actually what led me, um, to my next set of, of ventures. So I, I, after having restructured my own life and, and realizing I was actually pretty good at that, uh, that led me to a job with UBS, Union Bank of Switzerland, and, and they're restructuring an advisory group and doing a lot of distressed debt investing. Um, And and from there, my wife actually had an opportunity to buy an art gallery out in San Francisco. And so we moved to San Francisco, and I went back to work for DLJ, and I I, um, was one of four people to help start the internet investment banking effort for DLJ on April Fool's Day 1998. Kind of hard to forget. And... Um, While while part of DLJ, I I helped co-found a company called Curnex, which was the first uh, online foreign currency exchange trading uh, business platform, if you will. And I did that with uh, a couple of my clients, actually. And um, that business was was eventually purchased by by State Street for, for a whole bunch of money. And, and so that w- that was a really good outcome or exit as, you know, sort of people in the business like to, like to say, and, um, you know, but from, from there, uh, a- after leaving investment banking for, for a second time and moving to Nashville, where I am now, my wife and I co-founded an uh, online organic home grocery delivery business called Plum Good Food, uh, which we built to about five million in sales, uh, by the end of 2008, uh, at which point the economy just fell out of bed. Right. And, um, so we ended up shutting down Plum Good and, uh, then, then sort of focused on what would be next. And, you know, I, I ended up starting this venture capital fund, which was where the state of Tennessee was our, our sole limited partner. And we were really focused on investing in Tennessee based entrepreneurs and businesses. And as part of that process, one day I was looking at my IRA accounts and um, sort of the light bulb went off. I I had this, this moment where, holy smokes that, you know, from, from a duration matching illiquidity perspective, these are the exact dollars that I should be using for alternative asset investing because you can't touch that stuff for a long time anyway. And um, so I went about trying to figure out how to invest my retirement savings into alternative assets. And that, that's ultimately what led me to Alto IRA.
0: Interesting. Wow. Well, Mike, you've got such an incredible checkered past from, from coffee bars to going back to Wall Street, to going to San Francisco, to galleries, to foreign exchange, online trading, to Plum Good Food, which sounds awesome, which I want to hear a little bit more about, to VC funds, to, to finally landing on, on Ulta uh, IRA, which is – so the, the real serial entrepreneur, the word serial comes to mind you know, first and foremost. And I remember having someone on the show who jokingly said, no one actually really wants to be a serial entrepreneur. If they just get one business right, they don't need to be a serial entrepreneur. So <laughs> I think that the, the thing is what I can hear from you is that you have a, a resilience to keep going, which is awesome. So, uh, yeah. So so never a dull moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think my wife
1: is the resilient one, not me. Um But you know, I, I, I don't think that's true, by the way. You get one right. You don't have to be a serial entrepreneur. I I I, th- I think uh, entrepreneurs can't help themselves. Right. And, no, I agree. Um, I agree. You know, I, I know so many people with successful businesses and, and they're still involved
0: with other businesses, right? right. The, the bug never stops. You keep right. wanting to build something from nothing, right? That, and so- that's right. Yep, That's right. Yep. And I'm sure when I see you in 10 years' time, Ulta's off doing its own thing and, and you're doing something new again, right? <laughs> uh, hey, I, I, I hope so. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, about your, your mission, about trying to pr- provide 21st century investment opportunities to everyone. What what does that mean in your eyes? Yeah, so um, uh, I'm going to go back a step and say, I I don't think it comes as
1: a surprise to, to any of your listeners that um, – most of America is facing a retirement crisis today. And you know, the way investment activity ha- has been shaped, uh, by which I mean, um, inbe- w- most of us really have become passive investors in uh, mutual funds, ETFs, index funds. Uh, and, and because of a shrinking public market um, landscape, the returns that would otherwise enable us to retire over a lifetime investing uh just just aren't there anymore so so in reality we're we're looking at two to four percent and you know i think historically most people would talk about six to eight percent well that's a really big delta Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so in this world where um uh you know, I think at its height in the mid nineties, we probably had about 8,000 public companies. Today we've got less than 4,500 public companies and the market cap, um, the total public company market cap is highly concentrated probably in just 5% of those companies, which means that every mutual fund, ETF, index fund, et cetera, is gonna be comprised of some version uh, of those top 200 companies. And uh, what's happening is that companies are just staying private a lot longer than they used to. So, you know, I, I, I think uh, by way of example, Amazon went public uh, probably two or three years after being founded. And today as a, as a public company represents probably 550 to 600 times its IPO price. Right. Google uh, went public, I think, uh, maybe six years after being founded. Uh, and, and today, I, I wanna say represents, I don't know, maybe 50 to 60 times its, uh, uh, its IPO price. Facebook went public eight years after being founded. I believe, and today represents only two to three times uh, its IP, IPO price. So the returns that once existed for the public market investor are, are, are no longer available. And so right. if you don't get access to private uh, investment opportunities, you're never going to get the true diversified portfolio and potential for outsized returns that's going to allow us to retire. And so that's really um, that's really what drives me. It's what drives the Alto IRA team. Uh, we're mission driven. We want to make sure that people are uh, in a position to retire if that's what they want to do.
0: And I think that's it's a really great example of what you just said before. The eight thousand public companies in the mid nineties now down to what you said, forty five hundred. I think that's a huge example of what thing people are holding on to their capital or sorry, remaining private because of what, in your opinion, because they have more control when you're private? Is that is that right? Well, what, well do you think? There,
1: are, there are a couple of things driving that. One, um, there's a tremendous amount of private capital available, right? right. So from endowments and pension funds. And, and that's another interesting thing, right? It, it, if you look at, and uh, I think endowments uh, on average allocate 52% of their funds to alternatives. Pensions allocate... Uh, I think twenty eight percent of their funds to alternatives. the average individual has less than five percent in alternatives, probably closer to one percent
0: and until to- go yeah, ahead go ahead no no no, no, no. Have, <laughs> I was just going to say the the the, the alternative. In your mind, what do you think of what do you class as alternative in in what you do at at Alto?
1: So, so it's early stage venture. It's later stage venture. It's it's traditional private equity. It's credit opportunities. It's marketplace loans. It's real estate. Uh, it's crypto, right? right. It's so it's non registered, non publicly traded uh, securities. And so, the you know, the 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 pre IPO market. Um, is, is, is gone, right? It's a it's a, it's a thing of the past. And um, I, I'm just looking here. Actually, this is interesting. So, so Google actually went six went public six years after being founded, and is only twenty times its IPO price. And Facebook, eight years after being founded, today is roughly three times its IPO price. So, I wasn't I wasn't far off. Um, but but other hurdles besides the fact that um, companies don't have to go public because there's all this private capital available institutionally, the regulatory burdens that they ne- now face really sort of discourage uh, that, that, um, that liquidity event, right? right. And, and so we need to find a way to get Americans access to these alternative investment opportunities and ninety percent of america 's savings lived in retirement accounts you know it's it, pretty soon it 's going to be thirty trillion dollars that's that 's a big number
0: got it and so what what are you uh, what are you mostly seeing with your clients investing in today 's you know landscape given the the two thousand and eight crash and I guess when did alter alto i should say come into you know inception
1: yeah, so we started in two thousand and sixteen we we raised our our, our first money in two thousand and sixteen. And then we launched in uh, April, May, 2018. And, you know, it's kind of interesting the the way we launched and I'll tie it back to what just happened um, earlier this month. We we launched by integrating with a company called AngelList. And AngelList allows uh, accredited investors to invest in um, primarily early stage companies. Mm -hmm. And, by integrating with the AngelList, we wanted to show uh, that the dogs would eat the dog food or the chefs would eat their own cooking. Well, you know, whatever, whatever analogy you wanna use. Uh, by which I mean, we said, hey, guess what? You can now use your retirement savings to invest on AngelList. And the first deal that you can do that with is the auto IRA deal. And so we ended up raising probably uh, 25 to 30% of that capital came from people who created IRA accounts with Alto and invested in Alto. And so that was like from a standing start from nowhere, from zero, sort of proof that there was demand uh, for for this capability. Uh, I'll fast forward to earlier this month where. We we set out to raise two and a half million dollars. We ended up taking in three and a half million dollars, two and a half of which came from AngelList. That's it. So ten x what we did just eighteen months ago. We did on AngelList two and a half million dollars, and we had two hundred plus participants in that uh, sending fundicate. Uh, funding syndicate. <laughs> and and uh, boy, that was funny. And, <laughs> um, uh, you, you know, so we, we now fast forward again. So in addition to Angelus, we now have 16 plus sort of investment platform partners that we work with. Our investors invest in early stage companies. They invest in credit opportunities. They invest in real estate. They invest in real estate, it's it's both commercial and residential opportunities. Uh, They invest in crypto. So we have an integration with Coinbase so that you can uh, invest in crypto assets. Um, And one of the huge advantages there is the fact that by investing out of your IRA, you don't have to worry about the ever-changing tax landscape that is associated with crypto assets today because IRA investments um, are are tax-deferred, tax-advantaged until until the time of distribution. But but the other thing that I think is really interesting for the individual investor and the big change, which is also being supported by uh, the SEC and our financial markets in general, is what I call the fractionalization of securitization you no longer have to be able to buy the whole building. Now you can just buy an, a, a small interest in the building along with everybody else. Right. And so now you no longer have the headache of being the landlord and CapEx and maintenance and all that stuff, but you still get exposure to an asset class you otherwise can never get exposure to.
0: Which you're really meaning crowdfunding for, for real estate in your example, right? Exactly, correct. Right. Right, right. So talk to me about the, the, the business model of, of IRAs and how they work because I've had a lot of IRAs on the show talking about what they do, but how does the business work? How do you, you talk about creating your businesses and being a serial entrepreneur, but, but you obviously you get fees from your clients. So what's the, is it just a fee-based business? Is that all it is? is it, or or you know, just purely a service-based business and you charge fees on it, right?
1: Yeah, so um, it's actually a couple of things. So there, there is a fee per transaction and by the way everybody not that this is meant to be a a a commercial but i think if you go to altoira.com backslash pricing um we don't hide our fees we're very upfront transparent and hopefully easy to understand that that's our goal so um there excuse me there's a uh there's a transaction fee every time you make an investment But for example, because we're trying to encourage uh, diversification, um, portfolio diversification, if if you are making an investment of less than $5,000, it's actually free, there's no charge, okay? So we want to help the people who are beginning to save and learning how to invest we want to help them do that and and the best way we can do that is by not charging them a fee when they're making investments of a, uh uh of a, of a smaller size on a smaller scale today the second you see way me? yeah go ahead the the second way we we make money is um we we essentially get a monthly fee based on your total account size right so we take care of all of the uh, IRS reporting requirements for you at the, at the end of the year. And, and for that, we charge a fee. So, so that's there. What, what's Go also ahead. coming, I think, uh, not I think, I actually know, but I'm, I'm sharing with you, uh, okay. is that we're in the process of getting our broker-dealer license, okay. which will allow us to um, open up our own marketplace. Where our goal is to essentially become, uh, you can think of it as the the kayak of alternative assets, right? So you're going to come to Alto for deal discovery. Hmm. So you'll say, I'm interested in this type of deal and, you know, on the Alto website and we'll show you the deals that are appropriate for you.
0: I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O at com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now back into the show. My blame and understanding of IRA is that they can't give an investment thesis on if hey Alto, I want you, you know, Eric, can you look at this real estate investment opportunity Reed's given me? Um, you can't opine on what 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 to do with the money that you happen to have at Alto. So how does having a broker dealer license help you? Surely that is a conflict of interest?
1: Uh so so not exactly. So we're not gonna be advisor. Okay. What it does allow us to do is be an introductory broker so or an introductory party, which means that um, through the securities entity that we will be creating, we will um, be able to act in, uh, in a way that we can't as your custodian. And so there's actually a Chinese wall and the two companies are entirely uh, separate, um, but it gives us the flexibility to to act in a way that we think will be more beneficial to to our customer
0: base. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I know so many IRA companies that want to introduce people to one another, but they can't because of of, of the you know the custodial reasons. So, um, but but tell me the difference between what you classify classify as an alternative IRA and a and a regular IRA.
1: Sure. So, and and we refer to it as alternative instead of self directed because. You can have an account at Schwab or Fidelity or TD or Vanguard and self-direct. The the Mm -hmm. difference there is that you can self-direct into uh, the the companies and or securities that their investment committee has said is appropriate for you, right? Whereas with your alternative IRA, not only are you self-directing, you're self-directing into whatever it is that you really are interested in and maybe know a lot about. And want to invest in. Um, we don't provide, as you mentioned earlier, we don't tell you whether it's a good investment or a bad investment. We just help you make it. Right,
0: right. And I think the big thing from an operator point of view, because we get a lot of investors coming through our platform to to invest in our real estate deals, is the lack of. There seems to be so many IRA companies out there, and we deal with a lot of them on our back end uh, with our investors. The lack of direct communication to the investor to say, hey, if you're interested in investing in this private placement, you need to fill out the forms like this. And I think as an operator, it's so goddamn frustrating when you're getting this investor saying, how do I fill this out? It's like, I don't know, ask your IRA company, you know, like it's, and I don't know what it is, but it seems to be industry-wide that there's just a, a real scratch of the head when it comes to. Compliance and filling out forms and all that sort of stuff, and, and then, then they look at us, the operators, say, well, "Well, how the hell do I do this?" Like, I don't know. You ask your IRA. So, so, Reed, thank you very much for the softball. So, so,
1: <laughs> so this is why I
0: created Alto. So, we actually,
1: um, we create, we we have the first platform uh, that is two sided. So not only do we have a, have relationships with investors, we also have relationships with the issuers of which mm-hmm. uh, you would be one. And, right. and so our transactional uh, hub and platform actually removes the heavy lifting and the burden from the investor's shoulders and from your shoulders and actually serves as the communication and execution piece that, ought to be present in any sort of transaction closing process, right? And so the theory was, and, and this, honestly, this, this comes simply from uh, my years of experience as an investment banker and as a venture capitalist to understand that, you know, we shouldn't be asking the investor to do the heavy lifting here. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it was only in this self-directed IRA industry where the investor was asked to do all the work. It's like, you know, going around the barn backwards. <laughs> and, and, and so what the first thing we did was we digitized the entire workflow process um, and, and we pieced out the, the parts that are relevant to each party in the transaction. So now when you're the investor on an Alto IRA uh, uh, platform and, and doing a deal on our platform, we ask you for information that you're going to know your name, your date of birth, your social security number, your address. We ask you, the issuer, in, the, you know, in, in this case, your firm, for, for the information that you have, which would be the offering documents relating to uh, whatever real estate investment uh, is up next. And so you're able to upload those documents to the Alto IRA platform, and you're then able to issue an invite. To all of your investors who want to use their retirement savings to invest in your deal. Everything else happens uh, digitally, electronic signatures. We automate the workflow and the communication process, and we make it stupid simple. This way, your investors don't have to call you and say, Read, why? You know, I I filled out the PDF and, and I scanned it and I sent it back to this. To, to the trust company, and they said I did it wrong. It, like, and and also they're asking me for the EIN. What's the EIN, right? Like, the investor shouldn't have to know this stuff, right?
0: Right. The investor right.
1: should just know where to send their money and what documents to review and make sure that they're they're making an investment that they want to be making.
0: Well, it's interesting. you know, you, you bring up so many. Plethora from, and I'm talking from an operator's point of view, right? Like, and I've got to give this side of the story because all the listeners out there who do have IRAs, there's different experiences. Like, it's literally like going to the grocery store and you could pick up. Seven different types of milk, um, <laughs> you know, like they, they all give you some milk at the end of the day, but it's what you actually like and taste and and want to consume. Um, but from my point of view, I love I love that you've got that platform. But we also have a platform, right, where we have people sign in on login on our secure portal and do all the things online through our Hello sign. And so when the issue is that. When we have you and six other IRAs going, oh, can you please upload all your all your, your 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 documents to our portal to then get it back onto your portal to then be like, there's there just doesn't seem to be that um, uh, like catcher or keeper to like make that 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 intertwine easy, and it usually is the investor who's stuck in the middle to try and be the communicator between the two of the two of us, meaning the IRA company and us as the issuer, um, and so it's it just I, I I give that. Um, analogy and that that sort of light to show how we also have a struggle with because we're trying to automate everything on our side as well and be offer best in class services to our investors, but they're coming with different IRAs and trusts and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, so how do we, how do we market it? Or how do we make sure everyone's, everyone's got the same experience? And it's very hard when individual IRA companies have their own experience, right? Because they want to have their own customers to be satisfied at the same so, time. So, so that's so.
1: interesting. And, and the listeners don't know that we'd never met before. So they're going to watch us make the sausage right now or actually listen <laughs> to us make the sausage. So do you do all of your own administration or do you have a fund administrator in the
0: background? And who is it? Oh no we do we have We have a fund administrator who's our executive assistant. Uh, she helps with any sort of issues M- The majority of our issues with onboarding investors are through IRAs. and the reason is we've set it up where it's like okay you can have a, you can assign a secondary IRA because usually the IRA wants to see or the custodian wants to be a signer, um, but some don't, and this is where the the, the communication falls out it's like well do I need to assign this person to, to sign this document and do I sign it first or he signs it first and like, well, hey, has the issuer signed it yet? You know, like, so each there's just different uh, standard operating procedures for different IRAs and that's the issue.
1: Right. And, and, and so what we've done when we created the platform is we said, what's actually required? Not, not you know, what's a nice to have or, hey, we want to see this thing. We, it, our, our approach has been what's actually required. And, and nothing else. And so what, I, what I'd love to do when we're done recording is put your uh, a- administrator in touch with uh, the, the appropriate person on our side because we're happy to integrate the process for you so that it's entirely seamless. Mm-hmm. We agree with you 100%. It should not be the way it's been in the past. That's why we exist today.
0: Yeah. no, And I agree. And the the role we don't take, like you can't take with advising p- clients on where to invest, it's also a little bit in where, you know, advising clients on which IRA company to use is sort of, it's the same, it's the same thing. I don't kind of, they don't look at my lunch, I don't look at yours, sort of, sort of speak. And so I don't, I don't need to say, well, hey, we really like this company called Alto, you should definitely go use it in the in the future maybe that that is a that is a way forward but it's sort of part of the business that we don't have to want to force stuff down the throats of investors we want it to if they've chosen a company great but hopefully it's seamless which 9 times out of 10 is not <laughs> no and
1: and 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 I totally agree with you i don't think there's anything wrong though with saying not only is this best in class service but it's also the most cost effective and by the way it's easiest to execute But you can use whoever you want. We'll go through the pain (laughs) of taking your money, however you want to, how much ever pain you want Uh, us to go through, or we can make it easy on you. And and by the way, if you're on Alto, you also have access to all these other investment platforms to truly diversify your,
0: your retirement portfolio. Love it. Love it. Mate, what has 2020 got in store for you and Alto this year? So uh, a, a couple of big things, the biggest of
1: which is um, the, the broker-dealer license. Because the other thing that allows us to do um, is, is really serve our customers in a way that they're asking for. By which I mean, um, you know, something like 70% of our customers are transferring cash uh, from Schwab, Fidelity, uh, TD. And what they really want to do, they've told us is just move their whole account over. But right now we don't hold public securities and we, we never want to be in competition with anybody over public securities. That's not our goal. That's not what we're about. But we are in the customer convenience business. And right. so if our customer is saying, hey, I just want to move my whole portfolio over and then liquidate and invest in alternatives as I see fit when I'm ready, then that's what we're going to enable them to do. So the broker-dealer license will give us that ability uh, for essentially one click—you know—move your portfolio over to Alto IRA and make it easy to to manage all in one place. And and you know, I would say that that's uh, that that's probably the most significant thing that that we're doing in 2020.
0: Awesome, awesome, man. Well, I'm really excited to. To, to see the growth of Alto. And I think it's, it's been such an incredible journey to the, to, to this point, right? So I um, so wish you all the best of luck. Mate, at the end of every show, we like to get into the top five investing tips. You ready to do it? I, I think so. Mate, what is the number one habit you practice on a daily basis to keep on track towards your goals? So, so if you don't write it down,
1: uh, it, it it's not real
0: and mm-hmm. and so
1: i think you got to write it down in order to
0: hold yourself accountable 100%. What do you use any just a pen and paper pretty 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 standard? I i have lots of lots of scraps of paper all over my desk. <laughs> yeah,
1: but 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 also um more recently i actually to 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 hold the company accountable uh i i have a blog um which when so motivated uh, i will i will Write about, yeah. and uh, so, and I think it's called uh, Gut Check is 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 the name of the blog, and um, uh, I, I recently wrote something on there just to uh, hold us publicly accountable to our to our customers and and our investors.
0: Got it. No, I think that's it's really important. Uh, I I've, I'm writing down everything in in a, in a book that I. I have, I've got many copies of this book, many versions of this book yeah. and I go back and look at. But if I don't do it, it's you know, it gets a clutter out of your mind onto a piece of paper. I think that's really super important. I agree. Um, who is the most influential person in your career? My wife. That's easy. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, She's- so,
1: you know, if you're, t- I mean, this is for people who are, um, uh, let's just say not single, right? <laughs> you know, if if your partner's not on board with um, the life choices you make, uh, it's, it just
0: doesn't work, right? right. And, and, you know, so that, yeah, that's an easy Someone one. Someone said to me one day, the, the good <laughs> litmus test for a good partner is when, when is when your chips are down, meaning me or you, that they can shield you from the world. And I thought that was a really good, you know, love and attraction and all that sort of good stuff come into it. But when your chips are down, can they shield you from the world for a little bit to you know to be your protector? And I think that's I just thought, wow, that's a good, deep, but 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 a good way of looking at it. So so awesome stuff. I I agree. Um, What is your number one tool in your business? And when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a phone or or a a pen and paper or, or or an app like you know software.
1: Yeah. So it's actually
0: customer feedback.
1: Um, okay. And and look, uh, the only way you get better is is by having people be honest with you. Yep. And you know, my 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 grandfather said to me um, actually when I failed with the coffee bar, and <laughs> you know, the first time that I'd really failed at anything, he said, "Yeah, this is the best lesson for you to learn, and and to learn it now because." Uh, when you do things right, you think you're actually really good at stuff and, and you think you can just do other things and and those things will be right too. But by doing things and uh, that 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 by doing things in which you fail, it requires that you uh, think about what's next in a completely different light and a completely different way. And by having uh, customers who, um, you know, most I think would, would characterize them as early adopters uh, and, and a lot of businesses have them. But, but letting them know to be vocal and to be critical of uh, the product or service you're building or providing, that's the way you get better, right? To, to understand where the gaps are, where the holes are, and just how you can continually raise the bar. And and that 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 we don't, we don't want to just be a
0: little bit better. We want to reinvent the whole fucking thing. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. Swear all you want. No, right. but I think it's really important that lesson because so many entrepreneurs, when they start and they grow, they think it's their way of the highway, and they become this this bottleneck in their business, and they can't take on. They don't have the humility because they put all this work and effort and love into a, this business and they don't have the humility to take on criticism and some people can't do that and that's they don't want to hear it but sometimes it's the best form of medicine is to hear some criticism or some honest feedback about how you're doing and 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 failures are those honest feedback that maybe not a customer but life is giving you right and it's saying this is feedback you stuffed up and you need to you need to recalibrate you need to reset here for a second so um so I think that's, that's, that's you really know important.
1: that that that's interesting because um
0: by the way, it took me a long time in this
1: podcast to say "fuck." It's like my favorite word of, <laughs> of all time, and I can't believe it. Mate, I'm a,
0: I'm Australian. We 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 swear like sailors. So. Yeah, I I, I can't I,
1: I can't believe it took me that long. But anyway, we're there now. So, um, but you know, I, I I learned a while ago, and I I really learned this actually with the online grocery business, which is that the best way to and and by the way. I don't mean for anyone to do this intentionally uh, because then I actually don't think it'll, it'll work out. But, but the best way to earn a customer for life is to fuck something up and then fix it mm-hmm. and, and to fix it in, in the way that it should have been the first place and, and even better to, to just go beyond expectations. And, and I think that's how you win customers. That's, you know, that that's that's what um, that's that's when your customers start to, to talk about you and tell you t- tell others about you because they can't help themselves because, oh, my God, you won't believe they screwed this up, which was I can't believe they did that. But then they fixed it. And not only did they fix it, they, they like far exceeded my expectations. And that's how you win a customer for life.
0: And you get raving fans, right? That's, that's how you build raving fans. Totally so. agree. Eric, last question, mate. Where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to find out a little bit more about Alto and really what you do and get in, inside your space. Sure. So altoira.com
1: is a, is a great place to start. Um, the frequently asked questions section, uh, the what we do, who we are, uh, our investment platform partners, those, those are all there. And then, if anyone just wants to ask me a question directly, uh, Eric Satz, E R I C S A T Z at altoira.com, um, and I, tr- I try to answer all my emails. Uh, don't always succeed, but
0: I I, I I try. You try. Well, mate, I want to thank you so much for taking um, some time out of your day to jump on this show. I want to just sort of reflect some of the things that I took away from you. I think the the insight into the public trading companies and and the, the the shrinking of accessibility to good returns in the public markets is a really i think it was quite eye opening for me and get some stats in and around when 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 off when companies go public and the lack of profitability they make because they're waiting longer and longer. So they're, 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 they're multiple when, you know, in 5, 10, 16 years time when they're on the markets for that long, their multiple isn't as great. Thus, in you know, the public markets can't benefit. Um, and I think that the whole analogy of 8,000 public companies in mid-90s to the 4,500 today is is, is a shrinking pool, and a shrinking net. Um, but also like, you know, just what you talked about then, the, the the go beyond expectations with with what you do and, and and become uh have raving fans when you do fuck up. Um but I think the biggest thing that I've t- taken away from today's show is that you, you do have resilience, mate, and you do have a way to look at it and, and stumble, get off back on your on the horse and keep going because um because you could have you could have given up a long time ago and be in some w W two job, but but I I think the entrepreneur in you was always was always strong. So um so, I, yeah, but, was, but did it did it leave anything out? No, really. I, I I very much appreciate
1: that. I, I don't think you could pay me a higher compliment than than the one with uh, resiliency. I really appreciate it. My
0: no pleasure, mate. Well, look, enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk very, very soon and uh, we'll catch up then. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Well, there you have another cracking episode, with some incredible advice from Eric um, about what he does and his journey in and around creating just life, you know, creating creating different businesses, stumbling, getting back up, getting back on the horse and creating what is now ultimately Alto IRA. Um, Some huge lessons in that podcast. Please rewind it and listen to it again. If you do have any questions for Eric me, remember to either Google or go to altoira.com and check out what they do. I think they're changing the world in which we use self-directed IRAs for the positive. Um, But I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we'll do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack.